Hello and welcome to the Oregon Wine History Archive podcast. The Oregon Wine History Archive is located at Linfield University in McMinnville, Oregon, and is dedicated to preserving and sharing the Oregon wine story. This podcast shares these stories through oral history interviews we've conducted throughout the industry. Please enjoy today's episode. My name is Rich Schmidt. We're here with Dana Ben, Nicole Staples. We're at the Nicholson Library at Linfield University in McMinnville. It's April 5th, 2023. Thank you both so much for joining us today. Thank you. Uh, first question, either one of you can start, is why wine? I'll go ahead. Yeah. Um, why wine? Um, I think mainly I got into it because of my interpretation of it as a younger age was it was something creative and romantic and um, would take me somewhere else. Not that I was unhappy, but I've always kind of had a very curious, adventurous spirit. I've always liked to be challenged um, in in my decisions in life. I I want a challenge. I want to learn from where I live and where I go and the people I meet. And I got kind of introduced to wine through a restaurant aspect, and immediately I saw that it had all those kind of qualities within within the industry and and all the different facets of the industry. so initially I was introduced by a family um, who opened a wine bar in Denver, and it's ironic that they all actually live up here now. <laughs> um, so still at, friends, we're and we're staying at, at their house right, right now. Um, but this was back in 2006, like six, seven, um, And I started working at the wine bar in the kitchen, and I immediately was like, trying to be out in the front and the floor and talking to people and like trying to like learn what these bottles were and um, kind of just just got thrown into it but I, I definitely jumped in uh, and I just I was working in the front of the house working with the wine buyer you know tasting with the distributors and um, and then just slinging wine five days a week I would you know I was sometimes on the floor alone you know helping you know big big wine crowds wine by the glass it was like a happy hour a very new thing in Denver back then. Um, I worked there forever and then I took myself to Chicago, had never been, um, just decided it would be a good choice. My brother already lived in New York so I couldn't do that. Um, So I moved to Chicago and I was uh, bartending and working one day a week at a place called City Winery and the initial thought was when I was back at Caveau I always thought like someone would come be like oh come work at my winery. Um, and that never happened. So then when I went to Chicago, I was like, I got to do this. So I got the one day a week and then I did that for a year. Winemaker said, you should do a harvest. And I was like, what's that? I was still like pretty ignorant. Like I knew what it was, but I, I kind of didn't know what it would entail. Um, but I had a little taste of it one day a week, topping or shoveling compost. And yeah, so then I applied for a harvest out in California. Um, I was very well aware of the, the winery. Um, having been in sales, it was Costa Brown, and I applied for the 2014 harvest and interviewed with the um, assistant winemaker and cellar master at the moment and got it. And I left Chicago and moved to California. And in August of 2014, we met yeah. <laughs> at our first internship. Um, Nicole was a seasoned vet of, I think, three harvests at that point, maybe. I, I, I did two. Two. That. So that was her third. Two. She was very intimidating to me. Um, I was extremely bubbly, outgoing, um, highly energetic, um, and just kind of like 
super wide-eyed about like everything in the winery. I thought it was like the coolest thing in the world. I was scared of everything. And she was pressing the Chardonnay over in the corner. And she, you know, she was not just like the intern like me, like cleaning tanks and <laughs> shoveling, you know, like doing dig outs and punch downs. She like had a very um, specific job. And was very serious. She was very serious. <laughs> and uh, we definitely did not gravitate towards each no. other right away. Uh, but I really like cleaning. I stayed on. And because I like cleaning, I think they kept me on. And um, and then uh, a lot of the times they're like, "Well, we need you around for morale," you know. So <laughs> I definitely like found my place. But it was when I got the job, I like really took it on very seriously, and I worked my butt off to kind of get to the point of I really, in my eyes, like what Nicole was doing. Um, at that point, we had warmed up to each other and become friends. Um, and yeah, and we started camping a lot together. Her and her husband are big into the outdoors, and we, you know, I re-picked up skiing from growing up in Colorado, and and it just we just started working together, and and she was transferred into the lab, and I'll kind of let you take it over from there, but that's yeah. kind of where we came together. So yeah, I guess going back, you know, I definitely didn't give a shit about wine when I was in my 20s. I <laughs> did, had no clue, I was from Florida. I like to drink vodka sodas and wear bathing suits. And uh, <clears throat> I got tired of living in Florida, so I moved out to San Diego where I met um, my boyfriend, now husband. Uh, he had been working in the wine industry and uh, he wanted to move back up to the Bay Area. So we were in Oceanside, down in San Diego County, and he wanted to move back up to get back into the wine industry. So we moved back up to Sonoma County in um, 2011, and I decided I was gonna go back to school. So I already had a college degree in radio, radio and television broadcasting, <laughs> and. Um, and I was like, well, I, you know, I didn't really find a great job. This is like 2000, at this point it's like 2010, and I really hadn't found a career. I just had no idea what I wanted to do. So I was like, oh, well, I'll just go back to school. And um, so I was going to school in San Francisco for copywriting and advertising. Hated that. Had no idea what I wanted to do with my life. And I went home to Florida to visit my mom, and she's like, just get a job. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm like, okay, yeah. <laughs> she's like, just, she's like, just get a job. She's like, you'll figure it out. Something will happen. Just get a job. And like, literally, on my flight back to California, my um, my boyfriend called me. He's like, we need an extra person on a bottling line. You want to show up and <laughs> help us bottle? So I literally took a red eye and showed up to the winery, off of a plane. And so my first job was in. 2012 that summer on a bottling line and then apparently I did an okay job so <laughs> the, the winemaker asked me back to do um, my very first harvest so that was in 2012 at Landmark um, which was in the Sonoma Valley and then a year after that I went to another winery called Lindmar and these are all Pinot Noir Chardonnay houses and then of course I really wanted to work at Costa Brown because they were like this super culty like 
very popular wine of the year by Wine Spectator, blah, blah, blah. Everybody loved and hated them. Everyone loved and hated them, absolutely. <laughs> and so I wanted to work there. And I was determined, it was really funny, I was telling my husband, Shay, or I guess he was my boyfriend at the time, is that I was like, I want to be the first female to be hired full-time in this cellar. Because to be honest with you, it was bro scene. Mm -hmm. Law, just, you know, the guys. It was, it was the, the guys boys world. Crew, boys mm -hmm. world. And so I was like super determined. And it's probably why I was so serious. Because I was very <laughs> determined on um, getting a full-time job there in the cellar. Yeah, there had been handfuls, not many, but handfuls of female interns at Costa Brown throughout the years but no one since ever, their start yeah. in, I think, 99. But um, never, never a female full-time employee, and she got it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, so we, I met Dana. She was loud and bubbly, and I'm like, yeah, I don't, I don't care. <laughs> I'm like, I cool, you guys are nice, whatever. I'm going to do my job. I'm going to work really hard, and... I'm very focused on like what I want. Like I was very focused on like I decided I loved this stuff. I like it's, I loved it. I was like this is my third harvest. I'm not sure if I'm really that good at it, but you know this is the year to prove my to myself that I can do this and that I can eventually be a great winemaker. And so yeah, 14. I was not very nice. It's okay. <laughs> I, I learned a lot. I learned a lot from her that year. I mean, not I was from afar, mm -hmm. but um, definitely, definitely had my eyes on her. Inspiring for sure. Well, but, it's yeah. funny. I feel like that vintage. Like there was how many interns were there? Uh, I think like 16. between eleven and twelve or fourteen. 12, I, yeah, I don't know because the the teams yeah. once we started full time. And hiring teams, they got bigger for a while. Like we, I think there was one year we had like 16 interns. But I think back 2014, it was like 11, which felt huge. Yeah. But, um, so we're all, and then of course they pitted us all against each other, mm -hmm. which is hilarious because I think when the, after the first couple of weeks of this internship, they're like, yeah, so there's a a job position. Yeah. They open. dangled the carrot. They yeah. dangled the carrot, and so it was kind of. I was not eating. I was just there to have fun. <laughs> And I wanted that carrot. Yeah, she wanted the carrot. I wanted the carrot. Yeah. So um, she got it, and I got it. <laughs> but uh, yeah, so yeah, I left for right after that first harvest. Mm -hmm. I stayed on through bottling. I was kept on, but they were like, "That was good, thank you." And I was like, "I'm gonna be back. I'm coming back next year." Like second year intern, I was like, I loved it. But I went to do some wine sales again for another winery and. Um, in the same little, I, I couldn't go far. I was like in the same little complex and I'd see them go by during lunch and I'd wave and, and I did. I came back in 15 and uh, you were in the lab at that point. Yes, you had transitioned yes. from white press and cellar work to I was, I guess learning they, they anology. I was annoyed uh, cleaning bins all summer, <laughs> so <laughs> they decided to give me a challenge. Yeah. But, yeah, I mean, I started in the lab, and then you were over at McPhail. McPhail Family Wines, yeah. Yeah, and um, I came back for harvest early, so mm -hmm. I kind of came into the team, like, July, and we got ready for harvest, and, um, yeah, I mean, we kind of, we the team, then the internship came in, and so I was definitely, like, the senior intern, and... Um, yeah, kind of 15 was kind of a, just like, kind of like getting... Did I get married that year? Yeah, you got married that year. You got married that year. 
Oh yeah. Yes. Okay. Yes. Okay. Yes. Okay. She got married that year. I was like, wait, I feel like there's there's something, like, like a lot that went on, but really nothing. Like honestly, it was kind of it was an interesting harvest. It was hot, like hot. It was Pinot caviar year. Oh yeah. So like all the berries just looked like fish eggs. Like just <laughs> it was wild and. Um, it was, but it wasn't any, it wasn't a year that like I reflect on too much, um, which is interesting. But it was a I transition was, year. It was a transition year. So this year. is like, you know, you think about 2015 and actually what was going a lot on a lot in the wine industry in California and you see it here as well is the mergers and acquisitions, mm -hmm. things getting bought up and, you know, change of ownership uh, yeah. and the companies getting bigger and bigger and you know, just swallowing all these other stuff. That was our companies. first sale that we went through. Our first one. Our first one at Costa Brown was in that beginning of that year, end of 14, mm -hmm. 15, yeah. So we, I, yeah, we went through a sale that year. That was kind of an interesting year. Maybe um, that's why we just like blacked it put out. Put blinders on, I guess. But um, yeah, but then um, I was offered to come on full time as a seller. Um, uh, solar worker one, solar worker one, and no, um, I was like, I was working my butt off to like really stay focused and learn a lot, and I was like really, 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 like hyper, like I want to be the second female, <laughs> <laughs> female wine employee, you know. I was like, you know, and I we were close at this point, and I had met her brother. Side note. But so we were close at this point, but like it was going and I was going for this full-time position and the week I was about to get like offered the position, I made a major wine mistake. Like in the scheme of things, it wasn't that major. I told her it wasn't a big deal. It wasn't a big deal. All the boys. They I made mean, it a big deal. It was a really big deal um, <laughs> to them. And I was then put on probation. Um, which just fired me up even more. Like, I was like, oh, you want to put me on probation? Like, looking at the camera on that one, like, I was... I hope I was, these boys see this. I hope they, they see know this. who they are. They know who they are, and I got put on probation, but it was like, a, we really want you. Like, how could you, you know? All I did was sulfur the wrong egg, you know, a little three-barrel egg. Um, and it wasn't enough sulfur. It to do wasn't anything. no, but it was at the but wrong it time. It was the wrong egg. I was not focused. I was not looking at my lot codes and made a simple seller mistake. And I, um, as I, as I learned from one of our other employees, I took a licking and I kept on ticking. And I, that just made me. I mean, I was working two hours more than anyone to like clean early, like stay late. I was just, I was grinding. Which I was not happy about. I was grinding, we'll, and I was going to prove myself. Right and then, in about six months later, I, I got the job, and uh, you know, I got that full time you know, badge of honor, I was, you know, full time. I, so then I started making less money, but I had that, like, I was a part of the team. I was year round. I like, I thought like, it, I was very happy. Yeah. And that was- Because after a time, like, yeah. you know, we finally like, it, it was a fairly large solo crew. We were making a fair amount of wine. A lot of wine. We they considered us a medium sized winery, but in my we head- We doubled one year. Like it, it was, was bananas. It was insane, but it was like super tight knit crew, mm -hmm. you know, so, we had, you know, Dana, myself, and a few other guys. You know, Nico, the winemaker, Julian, Peter, Jeremiah, Jeremiah, like this, like really tight knit crew, and we really became just completely enamored with the brand, and felt like we had some sort of ownership over it, even though we didn't. <laughs> and 
we yeah, lived and breathed Costa Brown. For a long time. For a long time. So that was 2016 I got the job, and that year was also the year that the new um, kind of management company CEO sent the seller crew to Burgundy for a 10-day um, trip to see what actual high-end, world-class luxury wine is. And, yeah. We spent 10 days in going, you know, going to Le Flave and Favely and the Burgoyne Society and um, sitting down Duchamp with Perry Phil's, like, you know, any Burgundy. And sitting down with yeah. uh, Bruno Mr. Claire. Mr. Ferrer at yeah, a huge just, dinner. Yeah. So the barrel maker, Francois Ferrer, like, literally Stayed at one of his houses. Like, stay, I mean, just listening to the We got the, the taste stories, of. It was insane. It was unreal. But that team just became closer and closer and closer. And we came back and we were like, we are going to make the best goddamn Pinot Noir, you know, California or this country we thought had ever seen. You know, we were completely, uh, yeah, we were, we, we, we drank the Kool-Aid <laughs> in a very good way, though. And, um, but that didn't last long. It, yeah, so then we went through another sale. And um, that was that was when yeah so that was you know we were there we kind of cranked through some years at Costa Brown you were the enologist and I was running um, I was the production assistant under the cellar master so we I was running all the intern crews so hiring and training she was running a massive crew of anywhere from twelve to fifteen people and plus I two full time employees training people how to drive forklifts the safety. Um, I pretty much made it a kids camp every year. It was like, I mean, I, this I, is a, this is what winemaking is. Yeah. I, it, I was doing way more like kind of, you know, the hiring process and the, you know, the back end time cards and like ordering all the gases and doing, doing those kind of things. And I was, you know, there was one year I got to run the processing line, but, um, really the only, like we did all the things and the only like common thread through the whole thing is like, we always had each other's back and loved working with each other. And it was very much the seller in the lab, but we kind of, I mean, we definitely kept the two girls on the team. We kept like a lot of, I don't kept know. Kept the wheels on communi- the bus. And then a lot of like communication going between mm-hmm. the, the seller two. and the lab. Because the lab was a, I thought, state-of-the-art lab. I mean, it was a pretty intense deal that you were running and um, along with the winemaker. And it, yeah, so it was great. And it just kind of floated along for a few years, and then um, yeah, another uh, another I don't know sale what happened. And yeah. Another <laughs> sale of the company. I think we also got burnt. You know, the one thing I think, you know, for whoever watches this is, and you know, as we continue this story, is to remember to have a work-life balance and not to burn yourself out. Mm-hmm. And I think there was a point where you were done. You were just oh, yeah. over it. And it, I think it had a lot to do with the change of ownership of Costa Brown when Duck Horn decided to purchase. And we knew that they, you know, they weren't saying it, but we knew that they were going to go public and be a publicly traded company. And, you know, I certainly understood what that meant. I think Dana was just really just didn't like the corporate world. The corporate world. I was and, always a little bit of a rebel. Yeah. I guess. <laughs> and I don't do well with authority. So um, <laughs> it was yeah. a tough it was a tough transition where it was really sad. Yeah. It was really sad because really it was sad. definitely like what we felt was like the final end. Yeah. That was it. Yeah. Like Costa Brown will never be Costa Brown. It's just duck horror. Yeah. And so and you know, I think a lot of people were able to roll with that punch and stay. And 
make it into the new form and, and kind of accept the new daddy in the house. And I commend them for that because it was really hard for it's all hard. of us, and especially the ones that stayed. Like they were, On top they of had it, there been, was a big flood. Oh, yeah. Yeah, there was a <laughs> giant flood. Um, I think I quit like two weeks later. Yeah. <laughs> um, I couldn't handle it. Yeah. It was... It was insane, like, what they promised us is not what actually happened. Mm -hmm. And I think at that point, I was done. The dishonesty, mm -hmm. you know, it just, you have to be, you know, they're, they were, they're looking out for what's best for them, which you know, but, which is totally fine, and I completely understand. But, you know, at that point, I was like, this is, this is not the type of place that I want to be working mm -hmm. for. And I, I had left pre-flood. I was, so I left and... She always goes, she's pretty good at really leaving good at right before, like, the, um, the, the natural disasters <laughs> happen. So I, yeah, I left because I was just, there was a, there was one day and I just, I didn't want to say snapped, but I just, whoop, I was done. I, like, figured out a new job and I put in my notice and two weeks later the flood happened and it was just, like, it was kind of like the, the straw that broke the camel's back because it, it just... The team kind of started to like pull apart a little bit. It was just going through. I mean, it was just going through its own transition pace, and that's totally fine. And then you uh, fast forward. Fast forward. You Napa. Napa. What, what year was that? 2018. 20. The flood was in 2019. Early 2020. 20, she left. You left in 18. The flood 18 was my in, last harvest at Costa Brown. And yeah. then 2019. Early 2019. February was the. We had a huge atmospheric river. So then, yeah, fast forward, I had decided, I got the, another wild hair that I was going to work in Napa, and I had followed um, the previous owner of Costa Brown. Um, he offered me a job over in Napa, and I, I went after it because I liked working for him. And um, I went over to Napa, and I started commuting to work every day from Sonoma, and um, I was given the opportunity, and I'm so thankful for it, but to be the cellar master there and run the show. And in the cellar, worked directly with the winemaker. There wasn't an assistant winemaker. And um, yeah, it came in hot, and I was able to take an absolutely beautiful facility and keep it keep it beautiful and hire great teams and the you know, first it was under construction it was under well. construction it was a headache but it was a great place and I was working with a great winemaker and it was very challenging and that was a great year 19 was an awesome year we had and then well short end of the story is Nicole also came over and joined me <laughs> and apparently we really like we really like working other. with each other we couldn't stay away uh from each other long yeah so. it, it, it's really really interesting like I was like I don't know how I think sometimes I look back and like I don't know how I can survive how I can survive in this industry without Dana amen I don't I was like starting to get a lot of orders from the winemaker and I was like I don't know any of this it was all the chemistry based stuff and I know enough to get by, but I I wasn't. It was never my focus. I was way more into like the the machines and the pumps and the team and the, <laughs> so um, yeah. So we kind of led that joined forces. Joined forces, again. and we led that that year together. And it just turned out that it was, was great. It was but, a wonderful vintage. Mm -hmm. Like things turned out really well. It was a challenge because you know we had been working with Chardonnay and Pinot Noir for so many years, it's all and brand it's like new. cool. Let's get into some really high end Napa cabs, mm -hmm. you know. And so we went from high end Chardonnay and Pinot Noir to high end. Napa Cabernet and a little bit of Sauv Blanc and, you know, Bordeaux varieties. And it was it was great. It was, great. And it it was, was insane. Great. And it was a completely different way of 
different style, different mm -hmm. way of making wine. Different uh, size. Different size. It was and very different. You know, chemistry, like, so the winemaker had, you know, he was a chemist and had that kind of background, so he was, he loved research and data and information, mm -hmm. and, and so I think from there we got to learn <laughs> a lot. Yeah, yeah. We, I mean, great learning experience, but definitely a challenging work environment. Very challenging work environment. Yeah, it was oh. great, and that year was awesome. We ended up keeping on all girls, so it was an all-girl uh, cellar team crew for about a year. And then um, 2020 came, and that was, uh, also looking to be like a great year and the day the harvest interns arrived the fire in napa started and i was a nervous wreck because in my back of my mind as this is there i don't think they're based on the place we're working i don't think that we're going to have like a big full-out harvest and i was looking at all these interns hopeful interns some of them have never done this before some of them were seasoned and just in the back of my mind knowing Sorry, knowing um, it was a trauma that I was going to have to let half of them go, like fire them. And, and that ended up happening that all in one day we had to let go of, I think, six interns all at once just because it, we weren't going to bring in the fruit. And it was everything. It was just a mess. The whole valley was on fire. It was and that wasn't our first fire year. Like so we that we were used to it by that point. Our first fire year together was 17 at Costa Brown. Um, so the the fire was 2020. That one, this timing was, it was the bad combination. For Napa. I think we also forget, like you know, this is like the, you know, COVID is happening, and mm -hmm. I, it's funny because yeah. I always forget about that. So it's just like all this layering, and just there's personal drama, there's work drama, mm -hmm. there's just there's just so much going on. There's so much pressure, and we were both so burnt. Like I was burnt out. Done. I was done. Done. Nicole told me multiple times how horrible I looked. Like, it was bad, and I was acting. I mean, I was so anxious, already an anxious person, but I was, I wasn't sleeping. I wasn't taking care of myself. It was bad, and I. It, we were focusing too much. It on was a lot of pressure too. Personal yeah. health, <laughs> because there was a lot of really high standards in Napa. Of, like, really, you have to eat, breathe, yeah. shit, Napa. And, <laughs> and we didn't. I don't know if we were really. We weren't cut ready. for that. Yeah. I just don't think we were ready. We weren't ready. Or maybe it was too late. I don't know. Yeah. But the best thing about it is we both uh, decided to leave Realm and that uh, the winery was Realm, but kind of was symbolic. We kind of decided to leave that Realm. And we well, looked we at each know. other and we were like, well, everyone else has their own brand. <laughs> like, everyone else started their own small wine label this year. Um, why have we never done that? And let's do it. So let's, let's try it. I think she, you actually talked me into it. Yeah, I mean, because I, I left Realm, she lasted a little longer again. And yeah, then, well, it was funny because, you know, I had to sit down with the winemaker and owner, and they asked me like what I really wanted, and they weren't firing me. But I basically was like, you know what? I don't think this is what I want. This is not what I want. And I really thought about it, and I was like, to be honest with you. I think I'm a little more ambitious than just working in the same position here at this winery. Trying to climb the ladder. And I'm not a ladder climber. Mm -mm. We're, we're not. We want to do the job. We want to make great wine. Title means absolutely nothing, nothing to me. Absolutely nothing. <laughs> nothing. You'll um, gain nothing from 
a title. Mm -hmm. I mean, knowledge is the most most important thing, and we did. We've learned a people lot. People and experience. And people. Mm -hmm. But yeah, so I was like, I think you know, I'm telling these people that I'm done, and that I think I'm gonna do something on my own. And then so I think. Dana's like, I don't know what I'm gonna do. And I'm like, I don't know what I'm gonna do. So it's like, well, maybe we should make some wine. Let's try and figure out how we can financially figure this out. Two girls with, you know, not a whole whole lot of money and, mm -hmm. you know. But a lot of grit and yeah. a lot of um, love for each other. And also like, I mean, it's all about the people and all this stuff, but we also love wine. Like we also love the grapes and, the, the, you know, the evolution of it and the process and yeah, you're constantly learning and being challenged and it's constant yeah. problem solving. Um, I certainly learned to, or I grew to love wine, whereas I think maybe Dana loved it right off the bat, but like at Costa Brown, it gave me so much knowledge and, you know, we, the wines that we drank, not just our own and mm -hmm. just really, you know, increased the passion there. And I just, you know, I wanted to do that. Mm -hmm. And we, and I figured, who, who's the best person to do that with? And I figured <laughs> Dana might be pretty good at it, so. Yeah. Um, I mean, and side note at this point, I had been dating your brother since 2018. Yeah, I definitely, like, I mean, I had my eyes on him at 2015. It took a while for her to allow it. And then I swooped in there. And so at this point, we were also, like, Close. A pretty tight-knit family, you know, we, her husband, Shay, and her, and the four of us were our little COVID family, and it had just become more and more close of a familial kind of tie. And so starting the brand, a lot of people are like, whoa, with your best friend? And like it very, you know, and it's like, I never questioned it once. There was no question well, on whether you know, or not. Well, at that point, how long have we been yeah. working together? You know, eight years? Yeah. So we, you know, we've worked together in other Fought a lot. We fought a lot, but we always figure out how to fix it. How, you know, mm -hmm. like things, you know, it's really, really important. It doesn't matter who you are. You just mm -hmm. got to figure out like what works mm -hmm. so that you never like given the silent treatment or mm -hmm. vice versa mm -hmm. it's you know the communication we learned from those too yeah yeah we you know it yeah it took a long time but mm -hmm. we were lucky so before we decided to do this we had a lot of experience working with each other mm -hmm. which i think is a big deal yeah um, big time and really was helpful yeah <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah really was helpful so mm -hmm. that took us to starting coquina but here we are in California, and it really came down to just an opportunity. opportunity that landed on our plates to um, come work for someone up here that uh, has a California property as well, has had an organ thing going, and we, you know, we were offered like, hey, can you come be our interns again? Or, or not again, but like, can you come full circle in your life and be an intern again after nine, eight, nine years of, you know, climbing the ladder and, uh, you know, work as our harvest interns and you'd be able to do your brand here as well. And that was it sold. That was it. Yeah. So we came up in and Oregon. Here we are. In Oregon. Here we are. And we kind of just, I mean, it was early 2021. We. Well, I was came up, we, just, we couldn't find fruit. We couldn't find fruit we wanted. You know, we we definitely found fruit, but it wasn't well, what the, we wanted. And of course, the last thing that we wanted was we didn't want to make Pinot Noir. Nope, no Pinot no Noir, Chardonnay. no Chardonnay. And so we're coming to the, um, you know, what in my my opinion, the best place for Pinot and Chardonnay, and and at the Great Valley. And we had some friends up here, but we were coming up with the idea of like no Pinot, no Chard, no Cab, no Sauvignon Blanc. Those you know, not as common up here, but. 
um, we were looking for something different, a new challenge, something we hadn't something ever worked never with, made. but also something that we love to drink. Yes. So we kind of started to pick um, things that we like, you know, Alsatian whites, um, uh, French, sure. yeah. French, well, yeah, French, and I love Italian obscure varieties. Yeah. Like there's, you know, just different stuff. Um, Affordable stuff. Affordable, what we thought was going to be affordable. Um, what well, we thought yeah. would be affordable. <laughs> Bunch of grapes. So, yeah, but yes, yes. So we found a great vineyard, and we met with the owner immediately, so it felt like, oh, okay, we weren't meet, meeting with an assistant of a person of this. Howard. Uh, Howard Rossback um, of... Um, Erratic Oaks. Yeah, Erratic Oaks is the vineyard down in southwest Willamette, kind of near Dallas. And um, they're in that new Mount Pisgah AVA. And we went and looked at the vineyard, and they had other things planted than Pinot and Chardonnay. A lot of Pinot. Um, but they had Pinot Gris planted, Gewürz Seminar, and Riesling. Riesling. And Pinot Gris was definitely one of them that we were super interested in. We didn't know they had Riesling, and we were like, ooh. Um, but the first year, we just decided to do some Pinot Gris. Just one wine. Let's start easy, um, chewable. Yes. And well, so we thought. Yeah. So yeah. we moved up here for, we were up here for three months, mm -hmm. um, left our men, made them harvest widows. And uh, we came up here and we lived and worked. worked harvest as interns again. It was awesome to get back into the cellar and like work and work. actually make <laughs> the wine. Yeah. And we were doing our project and made our first pick date together. You know, we had been around that a million times, but never our own, like, pick date. You know, that's kind Where of like the fun thing. Everyone's like, I want to make pick calls. Yeah. And it's like, well, here we are. And everything was 100% our decision. Yeah. And that was, for me, very stressful and really exciting. And mm -hmm. also the vineyard. I remember when we met Howard there, how beautiful it was. Mm -hmm. It was just this, of course, it was a nice sunny day. <laughs> mm -hmm. <laughs> yeah. and it was just like this beautiful bowl and just gorgeous it's just gorgeous very well managed and we met the vineyard manager lisa, lisa zuniga and we fell in love with her i mean she's just i mean we see a lot of ourselves in her and she's amazing great attitude just a rocking personality um little it's, rock and roll chick and yeah. just like awesome woman and we immediately felt like, like okay. we are going to learn from her she's going to work well with us she's going to listen she's going to teach us and that she's been nothing but all those things so she's she's been great so we started to meet more people and um yes and we we yeah i don't i mean it's just yeah. kind of like now it just kind of all feels like a blur and i don't really know how to well, go for me, you know <laughs> making you know making the wine is always easy and, you know, and mm -hmm. i'm sure you've heard this like a thousand times it's making the wine is easy everyone says selling Please. the wine is the hard part well yeah that's hard but for me like all the back of the house stuff all the regulations all state to state all the bs with like you know lion licensing and compliance and it's it's probably like one of the most frustrating things in the wine industry for me and it's probably frustrating for every single winery in the country mm -hmm. you know it's the one thing you know i'm all for small government but man i just wish there like you know com you know commerce between states especially mm -hmm. with alcohol could be easier mm -hmm. it is just so ridiculous and it really really inhibits small producers like us mm -hmm. To venture very far it's wall after wall after frustration so. and, and, and she takes, deals with most of that stuff and it takes a long time and it's like well well we can sell here but we can't sell there 
or uh, we need we have this license here but we need this license here and we can't get it because of this this and this and it's yeah it's a constant it's a constant constant battle mm -hmm. and you know in the first year we definitely I'm like I had a lot of ideas oh. and I'm I was like, like yeah, we're gonna cool. do this and this and this and, and she's like, like you can't <laughs> we can't I was like we she, could do this you next follow year. the rules yeah. I was like I was like, because the last thing I want to do is lose an alcohol license mm -hmm. because, you know, I mean, it's it's because it's alcohol. Mm -hmm. Just because it's alcohol, <laughs> it's just so much harder and you have to be so careful. And on top of it. On top of it. And maybe I'm just paranoid, but. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, yeah. If I would say like making the wine, we were super excited so about fun. it. So fun. It's never going to be perfect. No. Nope. We learned from it. We learned first. from we it. Learned, um, yeah. But like the, the the government. Yeah. <laughs> it's tough. Oh it's man, tough. it was it from was... day one almost. Yeah, we bottled two hundred and twenty cases. Mm -hmm. Our first vintage. That is it. And then we had to figure out how, where we were gonna, or how we were gonna get it to California so we could, you know, because that's, that's where, where we lived. lived. <laughs> and so we had to like rent a U-Haul and like drive all this wine down and like keep some up here and have our friends take care of giving it to people up here or shipping it out. Like it was, it became, we, I, we knew this was going to happen, but we, it became yeah. way more like the back end stuff was like way more overwhelming than we ever expected it to be. But the sales, like I love the sales, which and is I, great because I don't, I don't mind I, the back yeah. of the house. Like <laughs> I can take care of it. It's just as long as like she can give her the documents she needs and like yeah. you know the stuff. Give me the receipts. Yeah. Sign here, sign <laughs> here. Yeah. But oh. um, the sale, I mean, I love that part. But it, yeah. it's just like you turn and there's just no room. You're yeah. just like yeah, it's like pinned up against a wall. So it's mm -hmm. just it. But we loved the wine, and I think if we hadn't been so proud of the product all of this other stuff would have completely crumbled it immediately, but we were just like, but we had super this bottle, and we were super gung-ho to one sell it. One wine. Yeah, one wine, and we wanted to get it in front of people, and we did. We worked, I mean, since we bottled it in uh, 22. It in was February. February of 22. Yeah. We spent this whole last year just getting it into um, small little shops in California. People we knew, we loved having it at places we, we frequented it ourselves. We got an awesome, awesome small business himself distributor in Portland who was like trying to scrape by and work with all these legal things himself even and took on our wine just because like, well he tasted it and we met him and he just, he believed in us. and. He took us on and got us into some incredible um, little wine shops and restaurants in Portland. And we try to visit every single one. And we one went of them. to visit all of them. And I mean, we're California kids coming up here. It's it's like always a little like, why? why? What are you doing? What are you doing? Why do you like? Why don't you live up here? Like, <laughs> a lot of you know, it's it's a little confusing. But I think through building those relationships and them getting to know us, it started to make a little sense. And. Um, Doug, the distributor, he was just, he, he worked he worked his butt off for us and we worked with him for a little while. Um, and then eventually he had to make changes in his business life and so we were kind of left without a distributor. So recently we've, and we've found a new one and so it's just like, you know, starting that relationship over, but it's definitely, definitely yeah. worth it. Because when you go to a restaurant and you get to like, sit down and the owner comes over and addresses you as like, oh, you're the winemakers of Coquina wine. I was like, I didn't even like Guess kinda, ego plays into it. Yeah, ego bit. plays into it a little bit. And yeah. it was like such a cool experience. Um, and like to go see it on a 
you know, a shelf. Know. And that's why you see all these small brands of these people like constantly every day posting their little wine at the wine shops and oh my God, we're on a wine list and it feels very flooding. But then when you think about like how it does really feel, it's so exciting and it is like a really proud moment that you do want to like share with a Not lot of people. Not that that sells wine. Not that that sells wine and it doesn't, yeah, it doesn't, it, yeah, the, the boots on the floor, I think, sells the most. Yes, it does. It's really interesting. You know, the Instagram is great. I think it's great for, like, business-to-business commerce. Maybe not necessarily for a consumer, but it was just really, really interesting. You know, once Dana started our Instagram page, like, distributors would reach out to us. Wine clubs would reach out to us. Like, can we taste your wine? We'd be really interested. And, I mean, it was a great way to market to other businesses, not necessarily the consumer. And what we realized is that because we're so small, and even though we know a lot of people, most of them are in the wine industry. They're not wine consumers. Mm -hmm. And so our direct-to-consumer business wasn't uh, going as well as maybe what we thought it would. We also decided to do it in a state where we don't live. Yeah. Like, and so people up here, they're like, no, I mean, no one already, only a few people know who we are up here, and those are our good friends yeah. from, California. So it's it's a very interesting thing to straddle and try to convince people like, no, we're the good people from California. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, well, distribution <laughs> is very helpful. Yeah. I mean, yeah, it was it was extremely helpful because you know we just we don't know the area as mm -hmm. well as I would. You know, we're still learning the vineyards. We're still learning. we're still learning the geography. But being interns also at the company where we make our wine was so helpful because we had to do vineyard sampling again. It it kind of was like a full circle like back to like where you're the intern again and you're like going to sample the fruit and learning the plots and like driving around and learning, oh, this is Dundee, this is Ribbon Ridge, oh, we're in Shehalem now, you know, like that part kind of really kind of went along with it and kind of gave us a little bit more um, behind our belts to be like, oh, we're also making wine up here. We know these people, we're starting to meet so-and-so. and So, yeah, mm. and that puts us here. I guess. We're about um, to bottle our second vintage. Yes, we're about to, on Friday, we bottle our second vintage. We've made three wines now. Uh, we got our hands on that Riesling. So we did the same Pinot Gris and uh, now the Riesling from the same vineyard. And we also brought in our first red wine under the Coquina label called, uh, it's a Trousseau. So it's um, a really nice, really cool expression of Trousseau. Um, we're really excited about that. So now we have three wines to start working on Solin and navigating um, how we're going to do that. Mm -hmm. Three times as many Instagram posts. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Believe me, it's hard to, you know, I know I should be doing it more, but it's really, uh, it's We're a going tough. to see a distributor, like, We're right going to this, see so. a distributor right after this. That'll help. You know, there's definitely probably a photo op there. Uh, <laughs> um, but it really is, it's, it's, for me, like running the Instagram page, I keep touching that, um, for me running Instagram page, which is totally fine, um, I, I'm happy to do it, but I lost a lot of steam, um, and it's hard to like keep it up. And well, I life changes. Life changes, and there's, a, there's so many people that are really good at it, and it's crazy how, like I really do want to brag about our wine wine and us but I don't like I don't have any desire to and I feel really uncomfortable by it sometimes and then but then you start looking at others and you're like we don't do it enough like we're not here we're not placed here they're not buying this here it, it's a mind mind mirror and and I think that's for 
everyone in this country, not just wine people. So it's a whole, it's interesting. And everyone has their own label now, which is great, because everyone should experience making something that on their own for themselves. But it's a crazy world, and life changes. Yes, yeah, so the new challenge, she got married and moved to Florida. Yeah, so now I live, I, I don't live in an AVA anymore. <laughs> <laughs> um, oh. And, you know, it's a little heartbreaking to leave the wine industry. It really was. But You're not leaving it. I'm not leaving it, but leave it. Like, when I left Oregon in um, November this last year, I immediately went to California, and we... Uh, Austin, my now husband, and I, you know, we headed east, and it was like, it didn't quite hit me. Um, it doesn't ever really hit me until I see Nicole, like, on FaceTime or in person. Um, but it's, yeah, it's a little sad. Um, but we're still going to, like, keep doing it, and we're going to figure out a way, even though everyone's like, how are you going to do that? And it's like, there's always a way. It's so funny how everyone's <laughs> so pessimistic about it. Yeah. You know, we're like, I don't know, we'll figure it out. We'll like, yeah, we'll find some fruit here or yeah, there. Like, like, I, I think the goal for us, you know, it might not be to be a famous winemaker that's, you know, on television or, you know, has this great brand that's publicly traded, (laughs) but, um, you know, to, to always have that connection with making something. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, the challenge this, this coming vintage is whether or not we decide to continue to make wine here or in California, which we are, I'm, we just are trying to figure out, it's like, okay, so, you know, Dana has these opportunities in Florida, mm-hmm. you know, because... And buying a wine shop. Yeah, so, because I do really love, thank you, I love selling wine, and mm. I love introducing people who have no idea what's going on to, like, just make it easy and, like, drinkable, like, swallowable. Like, wine should be fun and easy, and you don't know how to pronounce it, neither do I. Like, let's, <laughs> you know, like, let's do this together, and I love it, and I... I, we're going to sell our wine there, I, I hope. I don't, I don't know if that's legal or not, but... We'll find um, the right distributor. We'll figure it out, exactly. So, yeah. So, I mean, and we then, have that going on, and now... And I'm working in Napa again. And she's in Napa again. <laughs> With full time. And, and making Pinot Noir and Chardonnay. Mm-hmm. And actually all of it. Pinot Noir, Chardonnay, Cabernet, Syrah. So, I'm going to... Now I'm working specifically for a vineyard in Coombsville, and... So it's actually really nice. I, you know, when I took the job, I was like, I don't know what I want to do in the next two years. I do have this brand and I need flexibility. And so I found a job that's offering me that kind of, which is so rare. Work-life balance. Work-life balance. Yeah. And I'm also, of course, working with two two guys that we worked with at Costa Brown. So again... I'm All super, the way super around. Super jealous. Super <laughs> jealous. Yeah. So, but, and that's where we are today. Mm-hmm. And, and we to... had a discussion this morning of what is the next grape we want to make um, into wine. So, oh, yeah. and you Cab know, Franc? Cab Franc is on the table. Um, we do love white drinking white wine, but it might be a red wine year. And we definitely have also decided that it's not forever. Like we, you know, we have a lot of great people up here that we've met and we love the wines up here and that's you know other than opportunity it's also being drawn by the quality of the white wines in Oregon and Lamette Valley specifically so it's definitely our climate our terroir kind of choice for making wine but 
you can't always control where life is going to go and what's going to happen. Yeah. So we might, you know, you might see us this year, you might see us in a couple of years, you might, you know, it's, it's definitely life comes first and people we love and family comes first. Yeah. And, um, yeah, that's what it comes down to yeah. is, you know, we, I think we kind of have come to this conclusion that, you know, as much as we love the wine industry and we love making wine, we love having our own business. It's so difficult and it takes a lot of perseverance and we also know that we cannot, you know, we cannot neglect our families and we can't neglect each other yeah. in that sense. <laughs> and when we call, like, it's all coquina now. Like, when I talk to Nicole and that is, it's like, business, a little heartbreaking. Business. Yeah, for being one of my best friends and now my sister. Like, I want to call and chat about life stuff, not, like, did you fill out? Like, we're in the middle of taxes right now, and it's great. And, like, really, I just want to work harvest every year with you and, like, F the rest, you know? But, um that's yeah I mean yeah well we're getting older and yeah. becoming more responsible <laughs> and so as much as like this idea of starting this wine brand it's not gonna die never but it's just you know I think we were really really ambitious like the idea was to be able to do this and make enough money so we could pay ourselves and not have another job and in the sense we've spent more money than we've made and so now here we are uh, you know back back again and so we're just trying to figure out again how we can still make wine and but still have a life mm -hmm. <laughs> mm -hmm. uh -oh. love it so I want to back up for a second and uh, you covered obviously a lot and, and lunch, but I, I want to come, go back to like first kind of first experience in wine first harvest experience or first seller experience uh, Dan I'll start with you tell me about the first time in Chicago uh, and then you go to your first harvest what was it about the work that it was attractive to you? Mm -hmm. uh, the hard work, the dirty work, um, the manual labor, the fact that I got home and I, you know, my hands were bleeding and I like was exhausted. I cried when I got my first day off after like 28 days because I was able to do my laundry. Like that just like commitment and like passion it just like bubbled up inside me and it was the cleaning I loved the process like a very like we clean and then we do it and then we clean up and everything's put away and everything has their place and everyone is engaged and everyone you know like it's very um it wasn't no one could be half-assing or it was very obvious and that person was very quickly you know, I mean, the, the team they swept the grapes. Yeah, they later. swept the grapes. They later. did a lot of sweeping, and that's not like a, I mean, that's nobody just wants the reality. The no one wants to be the sweeper, and so everyone was just grinding hard and like, you know, and and there was people that had never done this, and people who had done it, and the fact that I could gra gather and like kind of pull from all their people and experiences, and figure out how I was going to fit into it. Like, and that was like the most attractive part was the hard manual labor, mm -hmm. the organization, the cleaning, and then the people. And it's weird to think like all of that, like, yeah, of course it was the, like the fact that you get this product that's wine, like it's wine making. But for me, it was very much the machines, the processes, the fact I was terrified of a forklift. And then, you know, two years later, I was training people how, how to drive one and operate one. and. Just like the, I don't know, I felt like a little like 
I mean, I'll just be honest. I was like, I don't want to be just like a girl, like doing a job. I wanted to like kind of like show my muscle in life, and I, it was a way for me to do it. I'm realizing now the last time that I helped at Harvest, I was the one sweeping the grave. <gasps> no, know. no. No, that's okay. That's, well, actually, honestly. Thank you, thank you for. It's okay because if that's where you're starting, that shows a lot that you picked up the broom. But also, like, I, I'll, I'm not kidding here. Like, in an interview, interviewing interns, I want to always be like, pick up that broom and show me how you sweep. Because. That says a lot. Like, if you can't squeegee a floor, you're not mm -hmm. gonna make it. You gotta, you gotta know how to squeegee you, a floor. You can't, yeah. So. Oh, man. You never know. <laughs> you, know. <laughs> you know, yeah. Well, Nicole, you, you mentioned being a little kind of slower to pick up the passion for wine. Tell yeah. me about your first experience in and, and, and wine, and, and also the, the first time you kind of felt like it might be something you wanted to keep doing. Oh, man. Yeah, I mean, so I showed up on a, you know, after a long red-eye flight from Florida back to California, I showed up on the bottling line and, you know, they put me up on the line and then my first job was to pack boxes and I was between these two women who were very seasoned and they just looked at me and rolled their eyes and was like, this girl, there's no way. There's no way she's going to be able to pick it up. And, of course, I did. So they were just like, okay, she's got this. And so... <laughs> You know, the, the two weeks of bottling just ended up being just a really, really great experience. And I love the hustle and bustle and just like all the movements. And and I worked really hard and I enjoyed it. It was just fun. It was it was hard work with my hands. And I, I think Dan and I both, like, we like to work with our hands and mm -hmm. we like to get dirty and we like to do the job ourselves. <laughs> and so... I went back for that harvest, and you know, that harvest was pretty lackluster. I, um, it was, you know, pumping out tanks, digging out tanks, just, it was a lot of Chardonnay, so sorting, on the sorting line, a lot of sorting fruit, and just really, you know, when I look back, just wasn't really that exciting. <laughs> and I was kind of like, mm, do I really want to do this? And so I, you know, after harvest, obviously, I didn't get a job, so. I uh, decided, I was like, well, maybe I'll go work in the tasting room. And so I got a part-time job in a tasting room. And then I also got another, uh, what else did I do? Did I get a part-time? Oh, yeah. And then I part-time seller job uh, at uh, this place called Inspiration, which is this tiny little custom crush at this, like, he was, like, early tech guy that decided to start, you know, his own wine brand. And so he needed some help there. So I was working part-time in a tasting room for a small family in Healdsburg, and then for him kind of just doing like topping wine and things like that. And I actually really enjoyed the off-season work and getting to see kind of what goes on like between harvest and bottling. And I think that's kind of where I really started to enjoy the work. And then um, in 13, um, I actually ended up quitting both of those jobs, even though they probably would have, you know, sustained me like full time. A friend of mine, he had a, he ended up with a pretty massive brain tumor. He was assistant winemaker at a winery and he was really stressed and he was about to have surgery. And so he asked if I would come and do harvest for him. So I did. And so I moved on and um, met a really wonderful intern this girl Katie 
and it was just such a it was just such an amazing wonderful experience I just I remember like rinsing out this bin of like petite petite Verdot or petite Syrah and just the colors and mm. the smells and it was just it was definitely more of like you know the colors the smells like the the feeling the bugs the bugs yeah. I liked I loved the bugs just mm -hmm. like all of that that you know that went into the winemaking process and I think that's kind of what did it for me and it's then in, KB yeah and then and then you went straight to KB yeah. the interesting thing you said that I've never really I mean, it makes total sense now that you say it, but I've never really picked on or picked up on with you is the off-season thing is where you fell in love with it, and that makes total sense with her personality. Like, it was, yeah, the harvest got, I caught the bug during the harvest, but you caught the bug in the off-season. She is way more um, thoughtful and slow and, like, she, one of the like smartest people I know, but like the, very the change of the wine. Change. It's like yeah, yeah, you put it, you process it, you ferment it, blah, yeah. done, right? Yeah. But there's this other whole other world where you which are most people get progress. bored, but and my job was to maintain and take care it's of. It's really it. interesting. That, yeah. I, you know, they were my babies, and mm -hmm. you take care of them, and you make sure that you know that by the time it gets to bottling, that they're sound amazing beautiful wines mm -hmm. and that is what i really enjoy about making wine mm -hmm. um, not the harvest it's a little bit more quiet a uh, little bit definitely more of a pensive winter, season yeah winter now i'm pruning i've been pruning which is something new for me and i really really have been enjoying that and being outside and just working just working with the vines and just trying to understand and hone in on the craft even more so very methodical yeah we know how to do harvest. We've done it so many times, but there's all these like little nuances in the industry that it takes many, many years to pick up on and, and learn. And mm -hmm. you learn those in an off season. Mm -hmm. That is for sure. Um, yeah. yeah. I don't think anyone's ever said on camera that they fell in love with wine during the off season before. So this yeah. might be a first. Makes total sense. Ninety-nine percent is like the harvest. The harvest yeah. High. Yeah. I yeah I don't get it. <laughs> <laughs> it's I, honest. Yeah, it's very methodical in the off season. The harvest is chaotic, and I you like, don't like chaos. You no, like I don't. Method. I got method organization, mm -hmm. and it's fine. Like not everything's going to be perfect, and I can handle that. I can you know. And she still has fun. Like after ten a.m. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> not a morning person. Not a morning person. <laughs> Um, but so yeah, early just, harvest mornings. Yeah. Those the middle season, like in, the in between harvest and bottling, is actually really, really incredible. And that's also when you get to know the people that you work with. Mm -hmm. You have more time to understand what you're doing versus just doing it. Mm -hmm. And it might meet, not so be true. as ex exciting, but it, it's it's just for me, it was more important. Mm -hmm. So yeah. yeah. <laughs> so you so you both had obviously lots and lots of experience before starting your own brand you, you've done a little bit of everything but you mentioned earlier kind of the first time making all the decisions cho choosing a pick date and choosing varietals finding grapes uh, choosing a name which you need to tell us about <laughs> well um, tell me about that experience of, of being the kind of the, the, the boss finally or the bosses finally of, of making those decisions was it were you, were you confident? Was it was it nerve-wracking? Was it what, what was that kind of process like? I think it was a hundred times easier than I ever expected. It was like way, like I was like oh, so excited, and I was like, oh, that was it. Like, <laughs> like I mean, okay, the pick, the the pick calls in. Great, cool, they're gonna pick it. it. It's they're, gonna it's come gonna this come day. In. It's gonna come in here. We're gonna unload it. 
Okay, great. I guess that's um, what happens when you're you've been seasoned and it's hap you know you know like, all right we've gone we've gone through this process. So yeah, so it was a little times, bit, so. but it was I mean it was cool. It gave it gave you um, yeah you get to be the director of it. You mm -hmm. get to make the decisions and collaborate together. But I think at the end of the day, like it was kind of just like oh okay well, well it was we're one just wine one pickle, one wine you know it wasn't you I don't know, want to say it was underwhelming but it was maybe it was I don't know <laughs> I just I I think it's really cool but I think um, I don't know it was like like I was like waiting and then it just kind of I don't know it happened and it just happened and it wasn't as no fanfare it wasn't as um, like um, invigorating or as like exciting and like really I didn't feel as like so proud as I thought once the wine was bottled and we that. like had the bottle to sell that's when it the wave really hit me of like going in somewhere and being like we made this because in California we can hand sell it we don't have to use a distributor so we were able to go into some of these shops and um, you know, have our first like meeting with someone who was going to taste it and see if they wanted to sell it. Like that was when it really hit me. Um, Which having makes the me physical so product. incredibly uncomfortable yeah. and nervous. Yeah, and I was just like, "All right, let's do it." She's oh like, and I'm just like, yeah. "Okay, so what do I need to say?" We do like, a lot of like <laughs> talking each other. Like it's mm -hmm. always one is up, one is down. We we are never like, yeah. Even on the way over here, I was like, "Okay, like like." You know, just I had a thousand questions. She had thousand, like I don't know, <laughs> just like, and you know, like we woke up. You know, we're we're just being honest, but like you know, kind of had like a frustrating morning, and I was like, oh, but everything's gonna be fine. And like the moments I go really deep and dark, she's like holding me. Like it's a very much we experience everything very differently. Everything's very different. So like all of the new stuff was like, or all of the stuff doing it on my own. I was like, yeah. But once we had were able to sell it, I was just like. So stoked. I just had to make sure it was good on the back end. So. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It was, yeah. It's uh, the first vintage. It was, for me, it was nerve wracking. I was really nervous. Mm -hmm. But, I, you know, I guess anything new is going to make you a little nervous. The call was fine. I think for me, I just wanted to make sure it fermented and, and it didn't have ridiculous you know, volatile acidity mm -hmm. or any any kind of weirdness in it. Mm -hmm. So that was my stress. Yeah, I want. I mean, I just wanted to make a good Pinot Gris that wasn't. It was good. Boring or too fruity or it was just kind of like the style of Pinot Gris that we like to drink. Yeah, we were pretty so. like. I, I think we did a pretty good job. Like we we knew what we wanted to make. Mm -hmm. Very clear. Idea. Very clear. Very. That was easy. Yeah, like it, it goes back. The winemaking part was the easy part. It's, it was, yeah. It's a, yeah. If you know what you want to make, if you have like a desired result, it's... That you see eye to eye on. Yeah, yeah. it makes it very, very easy. Mm -hmm. Now, to get there is not always, mm -hmm. okay. <laughs> not always, you know, the way that you want it to happen, but, you know, you just, you just make it work. Mm -hmm. um, that Riesling. That, oh, yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, that wine is going to be good, yeah. <laughs> so tell us about the name Coquina and about sort of the design. And I'm also, I'm really curious, you mentioned obviously excited about sales. Tell me about like pouring your wine for someone. Tell me about that, what that, feel, what that feeling is like. Yeah, well, yeah. I guess I'll talk about the label. You can talk about pouring for the Perfect. wine. All right. Uh, so actually originally, like my husband had been tinkering with his own wine labels. He like 
got into can wine. He was making Zinfandel from Lodi, and you know, none of it really like came to fruition. And then he's like, "Do you want to make some wine together?" And I'm like, "Yeah, sure." I was like, "We'll see if we can, you know, make it work." Him and I, it didn't work. I mean, I love the man, <laughs> love him, but. Um, to, uh, you know, we may not be the best suited uh, as business partners. Maybe life partners, but not business partners. And um, so we actually went through the process of creating Coquina, the label, originally. And it was really funny because, you know, my husband and I had definitely had different ideas on what <laughs> kind of wine label we wanted. And I'm like, and it was Pinot Blanc from Mendocino. And I'm like, you know, we were arguing, like, Shay, you're trying to make, like, this, like, Cote de Rhone type label, and I'm trying to, I don't know, I don't know what I was doing. Something relaxed and playful. Yeah, and so uh, the designer is actually a, uh, the son of a famous wine label designer, and this was going to be his first wine label, so he went through the process with us. So we actually had a designer, uh, his name is Charles House, his dad is Chuck, um, help us go through the process. And then his sister as well, Lauren, helped us. And um, so he, they would do all these boards. I should send you the boards, actually. It's actually a pretty neat process. And like That how, is a cool piece of memorabilia. Yeah, I will find them and I'll send them to you. And so he's like, all right, circle stuff and cross stuff out. And then, you know, and then we would just have conversations. And it's funny because we never met uh, personal, uh, you know, in person, it was always on the phone. So. Basically, the final results after him, you know, because I had this idea about like working in the lab, I like bugs and microscopes, and you know, I'm from Florida, so coquina is a sedimentary rock that you find in or near the ocean, and it's something that I used to grow up and I really love it. It's just all these like shells, just so you know, and to be honest with you, I didn't want to put my name on it. Dan and I did not want to put our names on the wine brand either. I wasn't involved yet, but I was watching from the side. Yeah, but yeah. I always knew that and I was, was never going to put my name yeah. on something. And then, you know, generally speaking, I'm like, I don't know. It's like, what, what the hell do we call this thing? It's like, we care about the wine. And we weren't, you know, we're winemakers. We're not marketers or salespeople. So I was like, well, I was like, cocaine is cool. <laughs> <laughs> I'm from Florida. I like the rock. It's pink. It's pretty, whatever. And she's, you know, they're like, yeah, that's a good name. That'll work. And that's how kind of the name came about. Like, yeah, I'm from Florida, but, you know, in, you know, I love the rock is beautiful. It's funny. We actually call them ankle breakers in mm -hmm. Florida. So like when you surf and you have to go, you go through this trough and then you go up and then you have to step over this coquina rock to get to the surf break. And they call them ankle breakers because there's usually like large holes that you can step into and like the rock will crumble around it. So that's coquina, which is <laughs> kind of funny. But so when Charles created the label, he ended up with this woman. Gorgeous woman. You know. And, Who in my mind is Nicole. Yeah. And it, <laughs> he ended up creating this kind of like cartoon character of everything I was talking about. Very unlike anything Shay wanted. Yeah. But <laughs> when Shay saw when it. we saw it, we're like, that's it. Mm -hmm. It was as simple as someone just creating something and us knowing that that was the right direction to go. And it represented personality and like the people, which was pretty cool. Yeah. Um, and then when you and Shay handed it over to you and me, or you and I, 
I was like, we're not changing the label because <laughs> I love loved. The label. I've been, I was obsessed with it for years. It just was very Nicole, um, and yeah. So we we ran with it because I was, was I was on art, board. And it was someone's artwork. Someone's artwork. It yeah. wasn't just a label. Yeah, it was art. Yeah, and I really appreciate that. And it's honestly received and interpreted in the most vast, very different ways from everyone who sees it. I, everyone sees something different. Everyone experiences it different. So I guess we should have a better story for the label. Yeah, the name, but we've been asked we don't, the label question and the name question a lot. It's just and not, a, it's like, not that Arr. important to me. <laughs> it's like it's a name to be recognized, but mm -hmm. other than that, and the label is we want it to be recognizable. But the only thing that I really cared about was what was inside the bottle. Mm -hmm. So we'll work on that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, mm -hmm. um, and then, yeah, I mean, that's that's the label talk. But the cooking, I definitely, now I feel it living in Florida. Like, I, it's a very fun, fun and easy name to uh, and kind of run with and market, market ourselves. Um, so, yeah. So tell me about pouring your your wine. Oh with, yes. With your not necessarily your name's on it, but your name's on it. Yes, yes. We're we're there. We're definitely there. Um, it was a little a little nerve wracking, but I, actually no. For me, it was not. I definitely was feeling a little bit of your nerves um, the first couple times we did. Um, you know, we went to Timber Cove. We tasted with her. We did Willoughby's. We did a handful of little wine shops. Um, I did the first Zoom tasting. I sent the distributor a bottle, and I did that was my first like big one alone. Zoom tasting with the distributor, and he was just blown away. And I just like kept absorbing all the good energy, and like it was just. I never once questioned it, and I so I never was nervous because I was like, well, it's definitely not a wine for everyone. It's a different style of wine. It's, um, you know, it it's not your typical Pinot Gris or Pinot. I mean, Italian Pinot Grigio. Like it's a it's a gorgeous Pinot Gris that is ours and very much ours, and and I was just confident in it, and we had done the work, and yeah, no nerves. It was definitely um, exhilarating and really fun when people decide to take it on. That's a really cool thing. Um, yeah, just, I don't know, it just feels really good to sell something and, and pour, pour it for people who really like it. There's definitely people that have not had, you know, it's not their favorite wine in the world. And that... Which is totally fine, which but is some totally people are just fine. assholes. Yeah. <laughs> it's true. And it is very true. I yeah. have a hard time with... It's... It's fine. You don't like the wine. Mm -hmm. Totally understand. You don't like the price. Totally understand. But like, don't. Sorry. Don't no, bullshit me. Yeah. Just be honest. Yeah, I just, just honest. don't understand why people cannot be honest. Mm -hmm. And she's really good about taking that. Whereas I like take that, and I absorb it, and I internalize it big time. And I, then it makes me like think differently about what are we do. Like, what should we do differently? And it's like she's always there to remind me. Like, no, we need to just keep focusing on what. We like, like they to don't do. like them, fuck them. Yeah, so, exactly. Let's move on. Let's find someone else. Yeah. Um, so we've we've definitely, and it's not always a win immediately, and we've had a lot of really good ones and a handful of little tough moments, but it's only made made one it. in particular that was my favorite because Dana and Dana does not get mad with in front of like <laughs> when she's trying to sell wine, she's usually very good composed. Composed. But I am really good at like coming back and and making a point without being rude. And so um, we had one experience where I, you know, I kind of closed with a comment of like, are you even gonna taste the wine? 
and there was someone who just was kind of like not giving us the time of day and like even though we had had a meeting a set time and just didn't really take it seriously and I I get really upset. Like he wasn't even going to buy the wine in the first place. I'm like, then why did you even ask make... us to come here? Yes, yeah. it's. I think that's a, a big frustration mm -hmm. in, you know, trying to sell wine. Mm -hmm. It's like just if you don't want it, if you're not interested, totally cool. We'll move yeah. on. It's fine. Yeah. But people like that. It's, it's not just... always just like, oh man, they took it. We're selling it. It's all selling out. It's not like that at all. Um, and even a lot of our friends who are selling out. It, selling out in a good way, not like sellouts, but like selling, <laughs> selling out of all their, of their inventory. <laughs> you know, the, re the reality for them is like, well, yeah, maybe we sold it all out, but it wasn't, you know, it's, it wasn't always a good experience. And yeah, we had to cut our prices a lot for people to take it. And it's like, and we didn't it's want, like, are you we, we weren't going to do yeah, that. Yeah, we were pretty stubborn on. Pretty stubborn on that. Whereas like, yeah, if we were to cut our prices, I know like three or four other different experiences where we would have had the sale and we just didn't want to budge on that. So. so it was great. I wish I could be like, it's the best thing ever to pour my wine. But I think there's a, so much loaded in that glass that's more than grapes. So, yeah. A lot of blood, sweat, and tears. Yeah. Emotions. Emotions. Yeah. Um. Well, then you've, you've kind of covered, you've sort of talked about a lot of the questions I would usually ask at the end of the interview, so I'm not going to ask them. I have one question left for you. You've obviously talked about kind of you, you want to keep this project going. You're not exactly sure what that looks like. So give me an idea of in your in your mind what sort of an ideal future for Coquina wines. What would you what do you hope it happens with it? Uh, I hope. Yeah. Yeah. Go ahead. Go I ahead. hope that we continue to work together, um, making wine together. Um, that is like literally my bottom line. I don't have any aspirations or desires to make a big like giant money maker brand. It really just comes down to finding something we both are inspired by fruit wise. Um, I mean, we've even talked at one point like let's go to Virginia and make wine like any any way for us to be challenged doing something new that's not going to keep us just like burp, 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 we're making wine every year like it's it's got to be different and it's got to evolve it's got to be small enough that we can have a that balance of life and manage it i have so many other passions and i have way too many other things i want to do that like i it's going to always be a part of my life but only if it works and we're both happy but like I already, you know, there's a, there's a short list of all the grapes I still have yet to work with, so. <sighs> yeah, I mean, I, you know, for the future of Coquina, it'll always exist. It just might not exist in as large of a capacity. So, you know, we've, we've, we have almost 500 cases this year, which in grand scheme of things doesn't seem a lot, but it is a lot for two, two ladies to manage, especially when they live across the country from each other and don't even live in the state that we, they made the wine in. And that it, on its own is extremely complicated, but I have, I love the white wines that are grown here. And so I know that we'll probably continue, maybe, who knows, it'll probably, it'll happen this year, it won't happen this year, we don't know yet. There's a couple things that are happening this year. So. Yeah, so there's a lot of there's a lot of things going on, but and then uh, there's a small hobby vineyard in California, which I've been taking care of um, by myself, 
And so I'll def we'll definitely be making a little bit of Pinot Noir because it's Pinot. But uh, so we'll definitely be continuing the project, just maybe not, you know, just not as much production. Not in the, yeah. not in the norms of, I think, and we'll still sell typical wine. business fashion, you know. I think um, we're gonna slow it down. We're gonna slow it down, um, and I think a lot of, a lot of, and I mean, it's what we also love. I mean, I love regions and different AVAs and different like for different reasons, different spots in the world making yeah. specific wines, and that's like really what a lot of people are passionate about is their terroir and expressing where they're from and the land and the fruit and the wine that's made from a very specific area, on specific ground, and or or specific varieties, and I think that's so important and I mean that's why we're all here is because people have like pioneered these incredible industries all over the world um, but I don't quite know if we ever have or if we ever will fit into like kind of a normal business box of winemaking Nicole and I I just don't see us as I think we have too many interests and too many goals for our whole lives as a whole and I we love coquina and it fits in there um, and it'll always be going whether we're making one barrel a year or we scale up to a thousand cases you know <laughs> um, but it's just as long as we can make wine and it fits into our lives well i think i actually lie because i do have one uh, one other question <laughs> obviously coquina is not the only thing you mentioned other, other things so dana i'll start with you um outside of coquina wine shop getting, getting started with that tell me about What's going on? What's going to happen with that? Yeah. Um, so moving to Florida, I, uh, I mean, I love being on a forklift. And so I was like, I'm moving to Florida. I don't think I'm going to get into wine there. Um, I love her brother so much. So that's why I moved across the country. He wanted to move home. And um, I, I did not. I was like, I'm going to go find a forklifting job at a boatyard, you know, something or, you know, anything really I w I'd be down to do anything new as well um, but I came I was like just you know fumbling around on um, something as simple I think it was like zip recruiter just I was just looking for a job <laughs> and uh, I found this post that was like small wine shop opening in Vero Beach looking for a wine professional and I was like this is a joke because I was like, I kept telling Nicole over the last however many years, like, I'm going to own a wine shop one day. Like, I would really love to just have she like, always a, little, talked about a little wine shop, little you know, with a little craft beer section, and... like, a little business. And, like, I've thought about any which way that I could open this wine shop. And just so happened, this dude was opening it, first and only. And I went and talked to him. And it was kind of like, it was kind of kismet. He was just like... I'm about to open, so let's open this together. It'll just be the two of us. And it's kind of been the first few months and it's been going so well and I love it and he's like look you seem to like you're the the store's called happy girl wine co and so he was like I can't be in the store <laughs> he's like you are the happy girl and honestly it's just like been this culmination of like the whole wine experience I've ever had now it's like in this little shop and I love it and it's on the beach and it's it's just great and I and I get and you know it's it's in the process right now but I'll be able to like you know bring in what I want to sell and I'll be able to yeah and I mean it's a lot of this you know it's an interesting area of Florida and it's just, it's been just very exciting but it provides a really cool um, you know schedule and and life that I can still go fishing all the time and be on the 
the beach and the ocean with Austin and um, you know get to know um, a whole new environment which I love moving around so it's um, and then now I just get to still be in wine, which is, I, it just cracks me up. I thought I was like a joke or like a sting at some, at first. I was like a, a wine professional. And he's like, you're the only person that reached out to me that actually has worked in wine. And I was like, really? <laughs> so it's been, it's really cool. And like, I'm really, really stoked to have found it. So I'm going to buy it and have my own wine shop. That's awesome. Thank you. Awesome. And Nicole back in Napa. So tell us about what's, what you're doing there and what's next for you. Yeah, uh, so, you know, again, we spent a little more money than we made. And so it got to the point where we both were like, yeah, we, you know, she's in Florida, she gets her job. And I was like, I need to, I, I need to get a job. But I actually was waiting to find the right one. I knew I wanted to, or I think I still want to be involved in the wine industry in Sonoma and Napa County, so I was just patiently waiting for something to be available. And it just so happened I found out that someone left a position at this winery, so I just gave my friend Ben a call and said, hey, I was like, Are you interested in taking me on? And so I told him, you know, I spent a lot of years, you know, managing a lab and managing people. and not really focusing on the actual wine part of things. And so I really wanted to get back to just the humble, just being in the cellar, no stress. So and it ends up being really great. Um, they are an all biodynamic, organic company. So, and then where I work is just a vineyard, one vineyard. I work on the vineyard. I get to be in the vineyard every day. We got cows, we have chickens to take care of. It's kind of like this whole entire like little ecosystem. We're working on compost, so it's just something more I get to learn. And I also don't have to manage people. Or, yeah, it's a, I was really looking for a job that kind of relieved my stress versus added to it. So I got really, really lucky. And so, uh, it's called Haynes Vineyard. Um, it was recently purchased uh, by Lawrence. Uh, I think it's called Lawrence Family Estate. I'm not really sure what it's called, actually. <laughs> um, I started in January. and um, But they ended up uh, buying up a lot of some old, older brands. So they bought Sony Hill in Napa. They bought Burgess Heights, which is a very large uh, wine brand in Napa, very old. They've been around since... I mean, I remember drinking Zinfandel from the 70s from Heights. Mm -hmm. So these like really old brands that they're trying to, so they're converting all these vineyards because it's land and everything within the company is biodynamic, organic. And so it's nice to, even though it is what it is, uh, it's a family company. The guy has such, owns citrus groves in Florida. Um, so big farming family, and so he's he's trying to be a steward of the land, and it's uh, it's just I'm really excited to hopefully be working for a company that actually fucking cares. <laughs> Does that sound awful? <laughs> Am I that pes pessimistic about the world and people? <laughs> so I have no idea what the hell I want to do. I'm I'm. 
like to go on adventures. <laughs> I like to travel. Yeah. I like to ski. I like to be outdoors. I think that's the biggest thing. I've been indoors for so long. Mm -hmm. I'm tired of it. Mm -hmm. Like it, it's. It made. I think it made me miserable. So mm -hmm. I finally get a job where I get to be outside. I get to continue to work with my hands and continue to make a really, really amazing wine from an amazing property. It's really mm -hmm. special. I can't wait for you to come See, back out. You have. You've been there I've, at least I've once. I've been there for lunch. Like lunch once. Mm -hmm. yeah. So, and I get to work with two amazing guys that I previously worked with. So Nico and Ben are absolutely amazing and they truly, truly care. They truly care. They <laughs> are, um, you know, they, I mean, they eat, leave, you know, they just, they live for this kind of stuff. So it's nice to work with people who just truly care about the land and the people and, and for the industry. Mm -hmm. So. No matter where you are, mm -hmm. what state, yeah. Yeah, that's about it. <laughs> <laughs> um, so all the questions that I have for yeah. the two of you. Is there anything I didn't ask that I should have anything that we didn't cover that you would like to cover here at the end? I don't think so. I think a lot of it, I mean, like we said, like we're not completely done with Oregon, but I think one of the things, because this is an Oregon wine archive, I think... One of them is recognizing how we came up here as two Californians, and that's not the most widely accepted thing these days in the industry, um, especially there's a lot of big companies. Not, I mean, I don't think her and I are like coming up here and paving new roads or anything, but, yeah. um, you know. We're not trying to steal your land. We're not yeah. trying to take over an industry. Jobs we or just are jobs. We, we just, just really love the valley, and we love the fruit, and we knew that there were good people up here, and I think one thing that we don't really recognize a lot but kind of at being at this like pinhead in our our um brand is that we were accepted and, and like welcomed. people oh my gosh were yes. yeah like we the people we have met in the last two vintages has been incredible and the places we've gone and like it's very different from our california industry and i think Maybe it's the yeah, appreciation. slightly jaded. Yeah. I'm sure you can tell. Yeah. But, <laughs> but like the appreciation and like the completely different vibe yeah. there's up here has been really, yeah, it's been really nice and really refreshing. We've got to work with a lot of really cool people and a lot of really cool fruit. And I think I just like have to acknowledge the fact that it was, you know, it kind of sounded a little weird to a lot of people. It still does. Um, but these two California girls were super happy with what this uh, valley has offered us and the people people yeah. we've got to work with. And whether you so. think of it or not, like the industry here is young. Mm -hmm. Very young. The people are young. The actual mm -hmm. industry is fairly young. Like if you compare it to working in somewhere like Napa or Sonoma, like it's very laid back up here. Mm -hmm. And you know, for not anyone- Not a very serious people, but way more laid back. Yeah, so yeah. you know, it's it's a it's a big contrast um, working up here versus working in Napa mm -hmm. versus working in Sonoma. So for anyone who's interested, you know, it's a great place. Yeah, it's mm -hmm. it's a really nice place to be yeah. and work. Um, yeah. Even if you're from California. Even if you're Even, from California. Yeah. Neither of us are from there. Let's yeah. make that clear. <laughs> yeah. If you come here from California, yeah. I should say. Yes. 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 Um, yes. Yeah. Yeah. We always kind of we would send interns after. Cali Harvest up like to Oregon. Oregon. 
having Check never worked here, and now that we have done it, we're like, oh, good. I'm glad we. <laughs> I'm glad it was good, because <laughs> it's been great. So, oh. yeah, yeah, yeah. That's Coquina. That's awesome. Well, thank you both so much. Thank, thank you. Thank you. Thanks for being so open to you know different different kind of style, maybe. But. Absolutely. And best of luck with everything to the two of you. You too. Okay, thank you. Thank you. Thank you for joining us for this edition of the Oregon Wine History Archive podcast. And thank you to all our supporters, partners, donors, and interviewees who have helped make our project a success. Be sure to check out our website at OregonWineHistoryArchive.org for more interviews, photographs, wine labels, and more. And stay tuned for more interviews as we tell the story of Oregon wine. The Oregon Wine History Archive podcast is brought to you from the Oregon Wine History Archive at Linfield University with a very special thank you to all the Linfield Archive students who have contributed to these oral history interviews over the years.